This morning, we're going to continue our sermon series that is entitled, The New Normal. And we're going to be looking at one of my favorite passages this morning, which is Romans 5, the first five verses that uh, Macy read so beautifully for us this morning. But we also like the traditional version. Now, I ordered the message for a reason, but, but we love the traditional version that I want to, um, to share with you right now. And that traditional version goes like this. It's kind of a prescription. It says, We also boast in the sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Isn't that beautiful? You know, there's an online company right now called Brand Yourself that offers a personal makeover. I was reading about it. For a fee, the company will scour all of your social media profiles, your Facebook, your Instagram, your, uh, your Snapchat, and remove what it calls risky online references to sex, alcohol, drugs, politics, religion, and more. Now, the company also does an in-depth search of the Internet to compile a reputation score, and they'll give you a reputation score based on um, your new normal, if you will, after you pay them a fee and they do their service. Now, I want to say about that, most of us know what it's like to do something foolish or crazy, uh, perhaps in our youth, or maybe yesterday. And, and, and to, to, to have a person's whole life, every random thought or, or emotion or insensitive joke or embarrassing picture, uh, winding up online really is concerning, isn't it? And it's nearly impossible to take this stuff back. You know, Professor Kate um, Acorn uh, wrote a book about the dangers of online um, world, in essence, and, and the book is entitled The End of Forgetting, and she said about uh, this social media feature, my point is there is something liberating about being able to forget the past and reinvent yourself in the present. So forgetting is ultimately about freedom. Forgetting is ultimately about freedom. Aren't there things in your life you'd really just love to forget, love to, um, to just have wiped out? You know, speaking of, um, uh, of, of forgetting and forgiving, I want to remind us of a story that I think all of us were captivated by a few years ago when uh, billionaire Robert F. Smith, uh, an investor who'd done extremely well, was speaking at his, uh, his alma mater, uh, Morehouse College, and he was addressing his speech to the 2019 graduates. Do you remember this scene? He ended his speech by announcing to all 400 graduating students that he was going to pay 
their college loan debts. Can you imagine? I mean, it didn't matter what he said in his speech. He's been the most popular speaker ever at Morehouse College for a commencement address. And in one instant, he wiped out the whole debt of that graduating class of 400. And he said, I know this is my class. And I know you will pay it forward. You'll pay it forward. Now, now, what would we feel like if, if all of a sudden all of our, our, our debts or, or all of the stuff that we'd done in the past was all of a sudden forgiven, it was wiped away, and we were encouraged to pay it forward in the way that we love one another, in the way that we worship our God in spirit and truth. You know, I think that's exactly where the Roman church was that Paul was addressing. Uh, He was sharing the good news that had changed his life. And he wanted the whole church, the whole Christian church, to know the truth of what it means to be forgiven. He expounds that they have been set free from the burden of sin and death. Jesus has paid the debt for you with his own life, Paul said. You are set free from the past. You're set free from future judgment. And you are set free for God's love to live in and through you. And that love and peace and joy and truth and goodness, all of it will be your gift to share with a world in need. Imagine a world devoid of these kinds of qualities and how thankful we are that God has given that gift to us to both experience and to share. Now that's the first thing that I want to say this morning about this passage, that we stand unable to justify ourselves. We stand unable to forgive ourselves. We stand unable to scrub all of our, our, our sin of the past, and our Lord stands ready and able to do just that. You know, this is one thing I love a lot about that translation that Macy read, the Eugene Peterson translation, the message concerning this fifth chapter of Romans. And I want to read it again. And that's not all. We throw open our doors to God and discover at the same moment that he has already thrown open his doors to us. And we open ourselves standing where he always hoped we might stand. Out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory. Standing tall and shouting out praise. Don't you love that? The the door that God throws open to us is one of forgiveness. It's one of forgetting It's one that makes us new. It's one that justifies us. And when we walk through that door by faith, 
It sets us up for the new normal of experiencing God's love and joy and peace and, and, and truth and all that is godly to share with a world in need. Now, speaking of doors, have you ever noticed the red doors outside of some churches, many churches all across the, um, the country, all across the world for centuries? Have you ever wondered why they happen to be red? Now, these are usually Anglican churches or Episcopalian churches. In the early days, it was understood that a soldier could not pursue an enemy if that enemy went through the red door of a church. That red door was, was a symbol of the, uh, the sanctuary, the, the, the rescue, the peace, the protection that was on the inside. And a soldier would be forbidden to pursue anyone through those doors. And the color red represents the blood of Jesus Christ shed on a cross for you and for me that does the very same thing for us. It reminds us of our forgiveness. It reminds us of our new start. It reminds us not only of protection, but it reminds us of a freedom that we have. We are free indeed through that door. You know, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and we pass through the red doors of grace. And by walking through that door, we know the power over sin and death. And through our faith in Jesus Christ, we find peace with God. God's grace for eternity and God's loving kindness that we are called to live in right now. When we pass through God's doors of grace, we find the community of the church together. Now listen to this. When we pass through those doors of grace, we not only have that freedom that God has given to us, but we find there a community of freed people, a fellowship, if you will, that is full of grace and loving kindness. And that's what we're missing right now in this COVID era. We're missing being together in community and being reminded of, of we are all on the same page. Those who've made mistakes and those who are forgiven, those who are freed, and those who come together to do ministry and outreach to a world in need. God's promise of loving kindness means that God can use every part of our lives, even the sins and sufferings of our past, even our shortcomings, even our failures, for God's glory. That's why the Apostle Paul tells the Christian community in the beautiful book of Romans to embrace your suffering, to glory in your sufferings. For our suffering is no longer about us. With God's grace, our suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance produces Christian character. And Christian character produces hope. And hope is the way we live together in community. 
I want to continue reading. We continue to shout our praise even when we're hemmed in by troubles because we know how troubles can develop passionate patience in us. Passionate patience. And how that patience in turn forges the tempered steel of virtue. Keeping us alert for whatever God will do next. In alert expectancy such as this, we're never left feeling shortchanged. Quite the contrary. We can't round up enough containers to hold everything God generously pours into our lives through the Holy Spirit. Isn't that beautiful? We couldn't round up enough containers to hold all of the grace that God wants to give us, all of the forgiveness that God wants to give us, all of the love that God wants to give us. We couldn't contain it. And the community of the church knows best and must proclaim louder and clearer than ever in the new normal. Jesus Christ sets us free. Shannon Etheridge had just started her junior year in high school. She, she was driving home, and, and she noticed that her rearview mirror was a little bit uh, off. So she was adjusting her rearview mirror, and all of a sudden she hit something in the road. And when she looked back through that rearview mirror, she saw a woman lying in the street beside her mangled bicycle. She stopped. An ambulance was called to the scene. And by the time the ambulance got to the woman in the street, this woman was dead. And Shannon's grief and shock had taken over so that she didn't know what to do. In, in, in the coming hour, she contemplated suicide. How could she possibly live with what she had done? She had killed an innocent woman by a foolish task of being distracted by a rearview mirror. She discovered that the woman's name was Marjorie Jarster. And Marjorie's husband, Gary, was out of town, so a, a neighbor had to call him and tell him this heartbreaking news about his wife's senseless death. And then this neighbor reported to young Shannon. And, and he said that, that, that Gary was interested in how she was doing. How was how the driver? Was the driver hurt? And then he reported that Gary had said he'd like to see Shannon the night before the funeral. Shannon was so afraid of approaching Gary Jarster. I mean, what, what, what could she say? She had killed his wife. It was an accident, of course, but you know, what would he say? Would he hate her? Would he want to, um, uh, to have her arrested? How could she be in the same room with this person? How could she possibly walk through the door into his house? 
But she did. And when she did, Gary Jarster embraced her with a loving hug as she sobbed and cried uncontrollably. Then he told her, let's sit down and talk about my wife. And he told her about her relationship with Christ and how much she loved the Lord and how much she loved the fellowship of the church. He told her about how she was working for the Wycliffe Bible Society and, and, and she loved the translating the Bible into obscure languages so that people all around the world would know the good news of Jesus Christ. He said, there is no limit to how much my Marjorie loved the Lord. Then he said, Shannon... You can't let this ruin your life. God will strengthen you through this tragedy. You can't see it right now, but I promise you God will if you'll just let God redeem this circumstance. He wants to use you, he said. And I want you to love Jesus without limits, just like Marjorie did. I want you to let God use you to his glory. Shannon would learn later that Gary's insurance company wanted him to sue her. and, uh, and, And the district attorney wanted to press charges against Shannon. But, but Gary insisted no charges, no suit. I want this young woman to live in God's grace. I want her to have a second chance, or we might say, live into her new normal. You you know, when I first read this story, I I thought I recognized the name Shannon Etheridge. Sure enough, she's a best-selling Christian author today, speaker, counselor. She's got dozens of books. She did exactly what Gary prayed she would do in accepting that forgiveness. You know, I hope for our church that as we live into our new normal, we will understand as a fellowship of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who we're called to be. We're called to be a people who represent what God's grace can do for us. We're called to be a people who are freed. We're called to be a people who share the good news of of God's grace and forgiveness and love and truth with a world in need. We're called to be a Christian fellowship and never take that lightly. There's no more important fellowship in all the world than a Christian fellowship. Friends, I pray as I know you do 
for a day when this sanctuary is filled again, when our other worship venues are filled again, when people are coming together. And may we never forget being apart, for being together will be so sweet. And may Christian fellowship be more meaningful than it has ever been before. I pray that we're not only worshiping here in the different worship venues, but we have a larger online presence than we've ever had before. I pray that our groups will meet uh, and, and they will study the Word of God together and will share their, um, their hopes and their dreams and their, their, their suffering and their pain with people who understand and will do so in person and will do so uh, by Zooming or virtually. I pray when we gather together for fellowships that that time will be filled with warm handshakes, delightful laughter, and Christian hugs that embrace the essence of who we are. I can't wait till I hear again the congregation singing hymns like this. What a fellowship, what a joy divine, leaning on the everlasting arms. What a blessedness, what a peace is mine, leaning on the everlasting arms, leaning, leaning. Safe and secure from all alarms. Leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. What have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on. The everlasting arms What a blessedness With our Lord so near Leaning on The everlasting arms Sing it with me Leaning Leaning Safe and secure From all alarms Leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. One more time. Leaning on Jesus, leaning on Jesus, safe and secure from all alarms. Leaning on Jesus, leaning on Jesus. Leaning on the everlasting arms. What have I to dread? What have I to fear? Nothing. If I'm leaning on the everlasting arms.